Father, we thank you for Chris. Thank you for uh, his message today, Lord. And we pray that you would work through him powerfully. Open our hearts to receive your word from him today, Father, from you today through him. And uh, pray for your anointing powerfully upon Chris in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Before I start, actually, today, I want to go back to that last verse um, that we sang in Christ alone. I think that's one of the, like, the best songs ever, that song. Um, but the last verse, I was reading it, I was thinking, actually, it covers pretty much, I think, almost everything about why our faith is so special. I'm going to read it again. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. We've got some of that at the moment, first cry, haven't we? Um, to final death, breath rather, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Isn't that a fantastic verse? I just think it's really, really good. So I'm just, yeah, nice one. Okay, so um, today I'm going to talk about suffering again. We're going to suffer for the next half an hour. And that's not just my preach. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I sort of, Julian said, would I, would I have a look at the whole concept of everyday suffering? And I'm going to be honest and say, I looked at that one and I thought, oh my word, that's not one for me. Um, I, I really don't know how I'm going to cover that. I'll be honest, I'm a kind of a, I'm a bit of a typical bloke. When things go wrong and there's difficult times, I'm like, right, what's the solution? What are we going to do about it? Stiff up a lick, let's get on with it. And I thought, actually, how am I, how am I going to tackle this? And I, and I had a little bit of a pray, and I said, God, you know, what do you want me to say in this circumstance? And I sort of felt, actually, it is a good opportunity to turn this around to the positive, and actually to talk about suffering as an opportunity to grow in God. And that's actually what I want to talk to us today. I actually want to um, really look at the absolute positives of suffering, and dare I say it, why it's a good thing. But I want to clarify something very, very uh, at the beginning. Okay, I think it's right that we look at everyday suffering. I think it's right that we look at the positive. But I want to clarify what I mean by everyday suffering. And I want to make sure it's clear. There's a difference between what I've classed as significant trauma versus everyday suffering. And the two things are very different. Okay, significant trauma, horrendous things like, you know, loss of a child, murder, serious illness, accidents, war, those kinds of things. And I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about those really serious, significant things which would be abhorrent to God, and he just says, no, that, that's wrong, and that shouldn't happen, and as a church, you know, when it does, we have to rally around people. All I'm actually talking about is those everyday issues that we all face, those things that are tough, those things that are hard. They can be very, very difficult. Things like financial concerns, you know, when people really are struggling to put food on the table, and that is a reality at the moment. When we're talking about things like relationship issues, family issues, family breakdown, those kinds of things. Um, workplace stress. I'm sure anyone who's ever worked will have experienced workplace stress, and I know I certainly have. Things like uh, and maybe sort of lower-level illnesses. So actually, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about those sort of almost everyday things um, that, um, that, that we all experience. Do you experience suffering every day? Do you experience things that go wrong? Yeah, yeah, we all do. We all do. We experience things that go wrong in, in, our, in our lives and things that, are, things that are tough. And we all experience that. Okay, I hope that actually what I'm going to talk about today is actually not dismissive of that low-level suffering. That's not what I want to do today. I don't want to dismiss it and almost put it to one side and say, let's ignore it. I think it's important we acknowledge it but I then want to make sure that we really, really turn and focus our eyes on Jesus. 
because actually what I want to talk to you today is about the opportunity to turn our eyes and focus on Jesus. Initially, I was a little bit concerned that it could be dismissive, but actually I then started to uh, really look through the Bible and say, what does God say about that kind of everyday suffering? And it actually reminded me of, and by the way, I'm not going to do this, so don't panic. I actually did, I think about a year ago, I did an assembly at school, um, all about do you look at your feet or do you look at the stars? And actually, I think that's kind of what I want to say today. Actually, I say, do we want to look at our suffering or do we want to look at Jesus and look at the opportunities that that might bring to us? So I'm going to start off, if you want to turn in your Bibles, to um, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Fairly, uh, a fairly common verse there. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary in heart. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, he endured the cross, scorned his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus suffered in his life. Also, 1 Peter 4, verse 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. There you go, 1 Peter 4, verse 13. Rejoice in participating in the suffering of Christ. Jesus says in the Bible, actually, suffering is something we can rejoice in. That kind of everyday suffering. It's right, it's biblical to rejoice in the suffering that is brought. And finally, before I sort of move on to really the bulk of it, um, Jesus actually calls us to focus on the finish line. Actually, not to be looking at our feet, not to be looking at our suffering, but actually to focus on the finish line. Romans 8, verses 18. Romans 8, verses 18. Present suffering and future glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If you look at 2023 so far, who's been through a tough time in one way or another? Yeah, we all have, haven't we, in some ways or another. We've been through some tough times, and, and certainly in this country we're going through tough times at the moment. But actually, what God is saying in this, what Jesus is saying, is I want you to focus on the finish line. I want you to focus on the future glory that will be coming to us, that will be revealed in us. So I hope that what I bring to you today is some serious thoughts and biblical principles around what it actually means to rejoice in suffering. And being really honest, I, when I look back over times that have been tough in my life, and I've not experienced major trauma, I'm, you know, I've experienced some tough times, but not major trauma, but actually when I look back over those tougher times, they're the times that I've drawn closer to God. They're the times where actually my relationship with him has deepened. And they're the times where actually I feel like I've come out stronger. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pick out five um, examples of why suffering can be a good thing, and why suffering can help us to draw closer to God and, and deepen in him. So um, the first one we're going to look at is um, persecution and suffering actually can bring revival. 
Persecution and suffering can bring revival. Now this can be personal level, it can be revival in your own life, it can be revival at a church level, and it can be revival at a community level as well. So if we look um, at Acts 8 verses 1 to 3, the church was persecuted and scattered. So if you want to look at that, eight, Acts 8, there are going to be quite a few verses today. Acts 8 verses 1 to 3. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They were scattered throughout. Godly men had to bury Stephen and mourn deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So this was a time of real persecution for the church. It was tough. One of their, at least one of their members had been killed and they were having to bury them and they were being scattered across the nations. And you can easily look at that and say, crumbs, that's really difficult, that's suffering and that, that's bad. But actually what happened? They were scattered amongst the nations. And what then happened, once they were scattered amongst the nations, the church multiplied, the church grew, the church became stronger. Period of suffering, but what happened? Church goes, boom. And also, you just think of a various example. Um, it's, it, you don't hear about it as much at the moment, but certainly a few years ago, you used to hear a lot about the Chinese underground churches. Do you remember hearing those stories there? And the Chinese underground churches, they were being persecuted. They were underground um, by, the na- by the nature of the name. But you hear of story after story after story about God breaking into lives, massive churches being developed, God's will coming through. Would that have happened without the persecution? Possibly not. Actually suffering there, bringing the persecution. Countries often, if you look at um, countries that, uh, that are really going through hard times, you often see faith developing, faith rising, churches developing, churches building. If you think about you know, countries that are facing real hardship, I mean, I, it's not my area of expertise, but you hear about the mega churches in Africa and so on, uh, where life is tougher. And actually, the churches then grow suffering there and actually I was also reflecting on the fact uh, post-Covid in our church now I don't know how many of you remember but we as we were coming out of Covid we had the online church and then we were due to go back to Mid-Kent College and Mid-Kent said sorry we don't want you on Sunday morning and the church elders at that point could have easily gone oh no suffering woe is us what are we going to do our church is being persecuted but actually what happened was the absolutely right and brave decision was made that we're going to split out into different communities and we're going to meet in different halls and we're going to go out to different areas. And if you look at our church as a whole, what's happened? It's grown. And something that could so easily have been looked looked at as persecution or suffering has actually led to real, real improvements in our church. And the other one I want to mention is, um, on, uh, have you heard, of, who's heard of the, uh, the Asbury revival this year in America? Yeah, we, um, uh, so there was New Day this year and, and Catherine and I went on the Thursday and we went into the, uh, the main meeting, which was just absolutely amazing. I mean, 9,000 young people worshipping. It was, it, was, it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? Um, really, really good. But they had over some people from Asbury there. Um, they had one of the lecturers and they had some of the students there and they interviewed them. And what was really interesting is the lecturer started off the talk and said, at that time in our college, we had real, real issues with mental health. 
And I was thinking, yeah, that's a massive issue in teenagers at the moment, it really is. And they were, they were really struggling with mental health. They had people with suicidal ideations, they had loads with mental health, loads with depression, um, substance misuse, and all kinds of things going on. And they felt that their university, their college, was in a really, really bad place. And some of those lecturers just started to cry out and say, God, we want you to move in this area of mental health. And some of the students were doing the same and they were praying. And then they had one meeting, and apparently it was not a particularly special meeting, nothing unusual, it was one of their, their chapel meetings. And they just started praying, God, would you break in on mental health in this university? And the long story short is that basically they started worshipping and they didn't stop for two weeks. And when I say didn't stop, they didn't stop. They literally was just continual worship for two weeks. And apparently over the course of that time, there were 50,000 people visited and many, many lives touched. And then essentially after the two weeks, people were just sent out. God broke out in that situation. Why did he break out? Because people were crying out over suffering. Absolutely crying out over suffering. Okay. When we're suffering, do we, do we turn to God um, and, and use that as a catalyst for moving forward? The second one is suffering brings opportunity for God's healing. Uh, Matthew 8, 5 to 13. I love this one. I absolutely love this, this story. The faith of the centurion. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralysed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Again, you've got a situation there where there's a, a position of suffering. That person was suffering terribly. But actually what you then got is Jesus breaks in, he heals. And actually you can imagine a situation where you've got a centurion who's then really experienced God and God's healing. And he's in, he's in charge of leading lots of people. Did that change the way he lead, led? Did that potentially go on and change many as a result of, of one person's suffering? Um, Mark 5, verses 24 to 32. So Mark 5... 24 to 32. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt that her body, that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my clothes you see the people crowding against you his disciple answered and yet you can ask who touched me but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it then the woman knowing what happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth he said to her daughter your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering 
And the point I wanted to pick out from that one was actually, yes, she was healed of her suffering, but actually she also went in peace and actually probably will have been experienced an inner peace from being healed. So essentially she almost she gained by getting spiritual peace as well as a healing from her suffering as well. Um, and that's an important part of what we've covered here. So it led to a greater inner peace. And I think it's important to say, I don't think God makes us unwell so that he can heal us. I think there is an, a reality, because we haven't got time to go into much on healing, there is a reality that there is illness, there is in the world, but actually God can choose to use that um, to bring about healing. I don't have much time to go through healing, but I, what I do want to say... I do want to say a few bits, actually, a couple of bits. I want to say, actually, first of all, God can bring healing in many forms. And I know I might have a vested interest in this, but I do actually believe doctors and nurses are a form of God healing people. And actually, when you go to hospital and you get healed through hospital, actually, that may well be what God wants to, be, wants to happen. Um, and the second thing I want to say on that is actually healing can be miraculous. It can be over time. But sometimes it can be actually almost the management of. And what I mean by, I wanted to give a little bit of a, a testimony. Um, some may be aware or maybe not, I've actually got a condition called Crohn's disease, which can be um, really, really quite serious. Um, and people can be very, very unwell with it. And I sort of, uh, earlier on in this year, I'd had some tests and it showed some anemia and so on and showed that potentially it could be getting a little bit worse. So I've had to go to hospital and, and had, I've had a whole load of tests and a whole load of cameras that I didn't want to have. Um, and... What has been really interesting is, actually, I've had this for 23 years. And when they've done all the tests, it's basically, it looks like it's all coming back and actually I'm, I'm doing very, very well. And I sat down with the nurse and she looked at my notes and uh, she said, oh, you've had Crohn's for 23 years. When was the last time you had surgery? I said, I haven't. She said, you've had Crohn's for 23 years and you haven't had surgery. I said, no. And I actually really honestly believe that whilst, and when they did the test, they could see it is there, but it's not bad at all. And actually, I really believe that God has been keeping this condition absolutely at bay. And it, okay, technically it's there. Have I been completely healed? No, because they can still see it's there. But actually, God has, without a shadow of a doubt, been keeping that condition at bay for me. And I believe that's every bit as much a healing to celebrate as it is something that's a sort of miraculous people walking again and all those kinds of things. And, and that's, I think that's important that we recognise those kinds of things and, and sort of praise to God in, in those circumstances. And yeah, praise God, it looks like I might change my medication slightly, but essentially, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And that, you know, praise, praise to God for those, uh, for those situations. Next one I want to mention is that God can make us fruitful through suffering. Another story I love is the story of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Sorry, that's not the uh, biblical story, but that's the, uh, that's the... Has anyone seen that, by the way, either the film or the, the shows? Yeah. I watched that show when I was probably about this big, um, when it was a, a theatre show. Um, absolutely loved it. I even bought the, uh, the record. Okay, do you remember? You remember records. Yes. You know, like flat things, you put a needle on it. Yeah, boys, I'll explain it later, all right? <laughs> and I loved playing my Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat um, record. Probably played it till it was worn out. It was a favorite, one of my favorite, favorite stories. I didn't like the Jason Donovan version, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> we'll pass on that. Um, Joseph went through great suffering. There was attempted murder. He was sold as a slave. He was falsely accused of crimes. He was imprisoned. But God took him through to great greatness as a result of that suffering. 
He led a nation. He made a massive difference as a result of the suffering that he went through. And I think there's a, a great principle also within this, and there's two things I want to pick out there, that suffering builds perseverance. Suffering and difficulty, hard times, builds perseverance. Romans 5, verse 3. Romans 5, verse 3. Peace and hope. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but also we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. There are so many examples in my life where I can think of tough times where God has then shaped me, where God has then honed my character, hopefully actually made me a bit more like him in through those tough times. Think of example maybe of those who suffered with mental health who can then help others. There's loads of people who struggle with mental health and then actually as a result maybe learn to manage that, come out of that, maybe healed, and actually they then go on and they support others. Thinking about the example of CAP, um, so John Kirkby, who's uh, many of you are Christians Against Poverty, um, fantastic story. He was going through a massively tough time um, financially, became bankrupt, living with children in a small bedsit. Um, but then out of that, CAP grew, honed his character and made something amazing out of it. Those who suffer with drug, addic drug addictions, who then are able to help others develop empathy, etc. And it sort of occurred to me, actually, as Christians, we're not immune to difficulty. And it's part of that, because actually, if we were, how would we relate to people who aren't Christians? <laughs> you know, if we've not been through tough times and we come across people who've been in tough times, how can you relate to me? You can't, can you? It's, it's, you know, it's really, really tough on that one. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. Actually, through all of the different suffering and tough situations and so on, actually God is shaping us. He's shaping us and making us more like him. We are continually being shaped by God. And um, just going back to Catherine's talk, I do really like that image when she talked about Kintsugi. And I think we were, not over, no, not all of us were there. But King Sugi is that Japanese art where when um, a clay pot or a piece of crockery is broken, they fix it, but they fix it with veins of gold. And when it's fixed, it's more beautiful. And you show, you know, if you imagine a pot with just, just sort of veins of, of gold going through it. I love that picture. I think it's so, so good. Actually, as we go through tough times, God can then fix us and often we come out of it more beautiful. The next thing I want to mention is actually suffering can, um, can help us to develop patience. James 5, verses 7 to 11, and also then Mark 5, verses 24 to 32. Oh, hang on a minute, sorry, no, I've gone wrong. No, it's James 5, verses 7 to 11. Patience in suffering. 
Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord is coming, is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who've persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And the bit that I took from that is actually that... uh, as we learn to be patient in suffering, actually, that's a really good witness. Because actually, I quite often, I particularly dare I say at work, I come across a lot of people that are very impatient. And actually, as we struggle with things, but we trust in God, that can be a great witness. My fourth point is this. Through suffering, we share in his glory and celebrate his greatness. Another verse on this one. Through suffering, we share in his glory and celebrate his greatness. 1 Peter 2, 18 to 25. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and enduring it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable to God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, Leading you and exa- leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they held insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd. Christ suffered. He gave us an example of actually he suffered. If you look at Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11, it says, But whatever you were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for the sake of whom I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, but comes from law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yet to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, become like him in death. And so somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead. It's that line in there that says participation in his sufferings. And what I thought about that when I was reading those bits there is Jesus suffered and actually as Christians we want to be more like Jesus. So actually we can't say, Jesus I want to be more like you but actually apart from the suffering bit if you don't mind I'll be like you apart from that bit. Yeah, I'll have the good bits and I'll try and be a good person but you can hold the suffering, you can have that bit. Actually, we need to take the whole package. And if we're going to be more like Jesus, that involves actually at times suffering like Jesus. But also through suffering the way that Jesus did, we can emulate it. We can be a witness. And at that point, I was really thinking about people who don't necessarily have 
and I use the word the anchor that we do. And I can think of people I've known who've been through really, really difficult situations as Christians and their faith has really helped them. Loads and loads of Christians I know where their faith has helped them. And then I've known other people who've been through difficult situations and they floundered. Where do I turn? What do I do? And some people turn to drink, to drugs, they become depressed. They, they turn to external organisations, you know, Samaritans and so on, and that's brilliant and that's a good thing. But actually, as Christians, we've got an opportunity in difficult situations to show how we can turn to our faith and what a difference our faith can make in those, in those circumstances. I'll give you a little example, a story I've came across. Um, actually, around the whole concept of forgiveness. And actually, as Christians, when we're in tough times and someone has harmed us, we have an opportunity to show a real witness around forgiveness. And uh, this is a story that I found online. So Eric, Fitz, uh, Eric Fitzgerald, a young pastor and preparing to be a new father to a baby boy, lost his wife along with their unborn son when the driver and the other car fell asleep in the other car, fell asleep at the wheel after working a long shift. Amongst the pain and grief, Eric was overcome with concern and compassion for the young man responsible for taking the lives of his family. Upon hearing of his intense guilt and shame he was experiencing, faced with the decision to pursue the case against Matthew, push for the maximum penalty and opt for a lesser charge, Eric chose the lesser charge as a chance to demonstrate God's forgiveness and love. In a chance meeting arranged by fate, Eric and Matthew ran into each other at a store and Eric immediately reached out to him in an embrace and they began to talk. Since that moment, the two developed a deep friendship despite the tragic circumstances that allowed them to cross paths. It's an unbelievable demonstration of forgiveness and complete restoration that only God can facilitate. You've got a great example there of how actually a tough situation but actually it's facilitated something really, really quite special. Equally, there are times where we celebrate God's greatness through showing our trust in him. Maybe times where this health has been difficult, but actually we've been able to show our trust in God. Maybe testimonies of uh, financial difficulties. I was actually remembering a situation um, where um, some close friends of ours, of mine, and her parents had just moved into a house and they really, really didn't have any money. And they, they were very good, they were very, very good, that's a bad word. They were very strong Christians um, and they moved into this house and they couldn't afford a cooker. And they had two teenage children, one of them my friend, and, and they, they prayed, they said, God, we need, a, we need a cooker, we haven't got any money, we need a cooker. And they didn't tell anyone. And then literally later that day, someone phoned up and said, we've just redone our kitchen. Guess what they offered them? There you go. What a great opportunity there where God was able to break in and they could bring testimony to his greatness and to his love. Different work situations. I'm sure we can all think of different work situations that have been initially tough where, or different financial or whatever and God has been able to step in. So the last one I want to finish this with is this. Suffering brings opportunity to show the greatness of the body of Christ. So rather than necessarily just the greatness of God but actually the greatness of the body of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 26... If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. We are a body. We are a community and we support each other. 
I've been a part of uh, Cornerstone Stroke Medway Family Church now for 20 plus years. And over the course of those 20 years, I've seen loads of examples where people have been through tough times and actually the body of Christ has, has gathered around and supported. That there's been a great community, that we've looked after each other and we've helped each other. But equally, I've known of some situations via work where I've, I mean, I often find it in my job, I end up chatting with people who are going through tough times. And, um, and I've, you know, I've said, you know, the people around you, you can talk to, and they haven't got that. I know some people that go home and the only people they generally talk to are the people they work with. They don't have that community, that body of Christ around them. And when they hit tough times, who do they turn to? I, something I've talked about before, I really do believe we've got something special. Actually, the body of Christ as an active example of love and community is something that the world out there is crying out for. And that's something we should celebrate. Obviously, you know, when people are going through tough times, we help them out. But that is something that, that, that through our faith in Jesus, we have a great community where we can help each other out and we can show. And that, I think, is actually a brilliant, brilliant witness uh, that we should never actually underestimate. So I'm just going to conclude now. Um, Every first bit, everyday suffering is a normal part of Christian life. What I haven't been talking about is that major, major trauma. I've been talking about those things as we go through life that are difficult, that are tough, those tough times. But actually, what I hope you've seen today is actually it's an opportunity. Those situations are an opportunity to grow in God. Potentially, they can be a vehicle for revival. They can provide an opportunity for God to show his healing, his provisions, both his healing provision, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, and his provisions. They can help us make, uh, be more fruitful in him. They can be an opportunity to share in his glory and an opportunity to demonstrate the greatness of the body of Christ. But what it does above everything is an opportunity just to fix our eyes on Jesus and to spend time doing that.